Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host Max Cantor and today on the show I have a very funny stand-up comedian from the Atlanta area. She has performed all over at all the clubs you can imagine. So please join me in welcoming to the show Miss Sam Severin. Welcome to the show Sam. Hi, thanks for having me, Max. No problem. I'm excited to talk to you. And this was, I have to say, this was one of the fastest turnarounds for an interview that I've ever had because I feel like I emailed you, when, like last week, pretty much? Yeah. Yeah, and you were very excited, which I'm always excited for because I'm excited when a person's excited to be on my show. So I'm excited to talk to you and just learn about your comedy and, and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, cool. I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me on, and um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's gr- all. <laughs> that, that that that's everything. So growing up, uh, when you were a kid and stuff, uh, what late night talk shows or television did you watch that really influenced you in your comedy? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't really watch any late night TV. Like, um, I remember like the Conan O'Brien. Uh, mm-hmm. intro sequence coming on, like, it'd be on if I was, like, you know, if I wasn't at school, if I was, like, at home sick or whatever, and, uh, and I didn't like it, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not for me, maybe it's just because it's for grown-ups and I'm a kid, mm-hmm. but for for some reason, it's not for me, and, um, uh, oh, I felt that way about The Daily Show, too, that was the other thing that would come on, Daytime Comedy Central, so I watch Comedy Central all the time, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, The Daily Show, that would come on when I was little, and I was like, oh, man, now it's a grown-up show. This isn't for kids. I'm going to go back to napping or whatever. <laughs> uh, but then getting older, I was like, okay, this is, like, The Daily Show is, like, kind of for me. It's for, like, you know, teens who, like, want to talk like grown-ups and, like, understand the world. Uh, you know, it's for, like, precocious rebels, sort of. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this show's for me. Maybe other talk shows are for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just couldn't, uh, I don't know, I would just lose patience on, um, like, watching interviews. I had a really bad attention span as a kid. <laughs> I still do. Um, so you'd think I would like the format of a talk show, because it's like segment, 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 interview, you know. It's like a lot of stuff to keep you excited. But um, I don't know, something about maybe just, like, the feel of the set of Late Night. Like, I was always like, oh, this is very adult. And I am not, it's like not appropriate for me or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't watching like late night television, what did you specifically watch as a kid that you think influenced you in your uh, comedic style? Um, I don't know. I watched South Park a good bit. Um, and I felt bad about it because I was <laughs> like really religious as, um, as a middle schooler and like an early high schooler. Um, but I'd watch it and not really get it either. Just kind of knew that it was like bad and like exciting. Um, but I'd like feel guilty. You know, they'd have the Jesus character on and I'd be like, Oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I think that was like the only way. Cause I like, I don't even think my parents watched like late night talk shows really. Um, but that was like the only way I knew who Jay Leno was, was because they'd always make fun of him on South Park. <laughs> um, 
but I didn't, I didn't know he like, I didn't know about him outside of that really. I think it's, um, I, yeah, I watched, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, I think it's pretty interesting that when it comes to late night, you were like, oh, I can't watch this. This is a little too adult for me. But when it comes to South Park, you were like, I think I can, I think I can manage this. Yeah, like I, I understood that it was like inappropriate, but um, that it, it still had like kind of like a jovial kid, like fun spirit where it was like um, irreverent or whatever. But um, I think late night when I was a kid, I think it fell into the same category as the news for me. Oh. Where it was like, um, you know, something that was for people to watch and understand who were already watching and understanding the world around them who were like plugged into current events. Like you don't really get the jokes on late night unless you're watching the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, you know, so it was like, they, they both were kind of the same thing. To mm. me. And you said yeah. growing up that you were religious. So your first memories of being funny and making people laugh, was it in a religious setting or about religious content? Um, no, but I will say, I think my first memory of, like, belonging and feeling confident in my ability to connect to other people was in a religious setting. Um, I, like, went to this church for a while as a middle schooler that was, um, for me, was a really positive experience. Um, they were just, like, really friendly and encouraged me to, like, be friendly and uh, and really, like, you know, work on that skill that I have of like talking to people and like making people feel welcomed and, and not that I've always done great at that, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but that's definitely where, yeah, that was the first time I felt that experience Mm -hmm. that I think has been like a major foundation of doing stand up for me. Mm -hmm. So, Um, so, Oh, go ahead. no, you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. Um, so then, if, if the church environment was where you first felt, you know, welcome to be a communicator, is that where you really discovered that you were funny and you could make people laugh? I don't know. I think it was something I maybe knew, like throughout my life, to different degrees. Um, like one of my first memories is. So you remember the show Dinosaurs? Mm-hmm. Um, there was like the little baby dinosaur would always like his dad dinosaur would pick him up and he'd <laughs> say, hello, fat boy. Um, when I was, and I don't totally remember this story. I just kind of remember it when I like hear my dad tell it to me. And then I kind of remember what I was feeling at the time sort of. But there's this one time, like the first time I met my grandpa, my dad's dad, my dad handed me to my grandpa and my grandpa put me on his lap and I said, hello, fat boy. Um, cause I had a little doll, like, you know, I had a little dinosaur baby doll and you pull the string on the back and it would say, hello, fat boy. <laughs> so I said that because I just thought that was a thing he said. I didn't know it meant anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I remember like kind of when I hear that story, I remember kind of like looking around the room and seeing everybody like laughing and like, being just like real hysterical about it and and kind of being like I don't really know what's going on but I know I made these people laugh that's mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. um I never didn't even realize that until I was at my dad's house and he was telling that story a few months ago and my one of my aunts was there and she was like 
hey, this sounds like you're uncovering <laughs> something <laughs> about why you do the stupid stand-up thing. Um, <laughs> we all slept. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always, like, would kind of make myself laugh and amuse myself and sort of would think of myself as fun. Actually, you know what? I just remembered this. In fifth grade, we did, like, superlatives for the class, like like they do in high school. But since it was fifth grade, it was, like, you know, everybody gets one. Like, there was, like, best handwriting, um, best line leader, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but there was the funniest girl and a funniest boy award, and I got funniest girl. And I remember being like, what? I, I'm not being funny <laughs> like why do you guys think i'm funny <laughs> um and i was really confused by it um and yeah i remember other times like in high school like i raised my hand to ask a question in class one time and i don't totally remember what the question was but it was a psych a psych class and we were learning about hypochondria and i had a question about it and one of my classmates was like, oh, my God, you should do stand-up. And I was like, I just want my question answered. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not trying to make you guys laugh. <laughs> uh, and then and then continuing this trend, there was a few times, like, in college, um, I was a creative writing major, and uh, there was, I remember a couple times we would, like, have an assignment, and I'd read my story or poem or whatever. We'd have to, like, share it with the class to critique it. And everyone would be like, "That this is so funny. Like, I'd always get reviews that I was, like, making good jokes and I had a lot of humor in my piece. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not being funny. Why? But then I was like, well, I guess we'll just accept it. <laughs> right. Maybe I'm funny. <laughs> That's okay. So where did you go to college to major in creative writing? Uh, I went to... Georgia College in Milledgeville, Georgia. Okay. And so in college is when you started your stand-up career? Um, sort of. Uh, right at the very end, like right before I graduated, I started doing stand-up. Oh, okay. So you really weren't do were, were you doing anything comedy related throughout uh, high school and college, or were you just making people laugh and not meaning to? I, it was all, yeah, it was all an accident, for sure. <laughs> um, I wasn't really doing much of anything. Okay. And so when you first started stand-up, um, did you do it because you wanted to do it, or because you felt that everyone else was like, you have to do this, so you felt this like peer pressure to try? Um, I wanted to do it, and kind of remembering people saying that, I, I kind of, I think, gave me that little bit of encouragement that I was like, oh, okay, this is like a, I can go out and try this and see what happens mm -hmm. and maybe something bad will happen, but probably maybe not because everybody thinks I'm funny when I am not trying to fucking be funny. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely something that um, I wanted to do and, and something that I kind of on, um, I, I, I'm not really a doer or like a go getter, but <laughs> and there's been a lot of times when I've, a goal for myself and like here's something i want to do this is a new thing i want to get good at it and I'll, i'm gonna work at on it this much by this date and i never follow through um but for some reason with stand-up i was like all right by the end of this week i'm gonna do stand-up and see what happens and mm -hmm. then it ended up taking like a week to before someone like called me back with like a hey you can get on this open mic because I, I i didn't know how to do it i didn't know you like go to open mics and watch and 
meet people. I like lived in Milledgeville, so I was like calling Atlanta or whatever. Anyway, so like the next week, I ended up getting like put on an open mic, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to do it. And I just kept doing it, and that's the only time that ever happened. Wow! When I've been like, I'm going to do something, and then I'm going to keep doing it. I never keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember so, the first time you did it? Do you remember what it felt like and the experience? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was like six years ago or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. And I remember that day, like, I didn't want to tell any of my friends. Uh-huh. I, like, didn't want anybody to know. I was like, okay, this will be easier for me to deal with. It's just I know that I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And then that day, I, like... I had class or something, so I, like, walked to the coffee shop that was near the school and, and like, ran into a friend, and they're like, how are you? And I was like, and I, I, I'm not good at, like, if something's, like, weighing on me, like, everybody's going to know it. Friend's like, how's it going, Sam? And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm so scared right now. I'm, like, freaking out, like, I'm going to go to stand-up tonight. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and that was, like, the conversation I had with everybody. It was just like, you know, how are you? I'm so freaked out. Do you want to come with me? <laughs> And, um, you know, and also my plan was like, don't, I'm not bringing anybody. I'm just going and going myself, <laughs> not telling anybody. I'm not bringing anybody. Right. But then, of course, the day of ended up being like, does anybody want to drive with me? I'm like freaking out. <laughs> uh, you know, just like weird nerves. And um, and then getting there and was like, I think I I was on first. Um, we like drew numbers. It was like one of those kind of shows. So I was on first. And, uh, like, right before, I was, like, freaking out. I was like, man, I want to go get high in the bathroom. Like, I don't, and I, you know, I lived in Milledgeville, not Atlanta. So I was like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'll get arrested here if I smoke pot at the bar. <laughs> it's not legal. Like, uh, should I, should I get drunk? What do I do? And then, but I had to go on first. So it was like, which was good because I probably would have gotten drunk and made a fool of myself and, uh, never come back. But I had to go on first. So I went on and then it was over. And I was like, oh my God. It's over. <laughs> cool. And then I got hammered, like threw up in my car the next day on the <laughs> way to school, I think. But, um, but yeah, the feeling was like really stressful and then it was over. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Do you remember the first joke you've ever written? Yeah. Uh, something like, um, Something about, like, I had really long hair, and then, like, kind of right when I started doing stand-up, I cut my hair really short, and I had a joke about, like, throwing away my hairbrush, or no, throwing away my hair dryer because I don't need it anymore, mm-hmm. but then being like, well, I might still kill myself in the bathtub or something, <laughs> or no, that, that's not very, that's not a good joke. I wish that was first. I think that, that joke was actually later, because I think I had long hair when I started. Yeah. So it couldn't have been that joke. Something, um, I remember the, the first jokes I wrote, I was writing them in my French class. Mm. Um, cause that was like the first class of the day I had like most days of the week. And, um, and my best friend Melanie was in that class with me and I could always make Melanie laugh really easy. Um, we make each other laugh like really well. I mean, you know how mm-hmm. people yeah. are with their best friends, you know, like, you just, like, say something, and your friends are like, oh, my God, we get each other. We're laughing. <laughs> but, um, so I'd always, you know, Melanie would, like, come walk me to class, and um, and we'd laugh, or, like, be making each other laugh, so I'd always be kind of in a silly mood mm-hmm. by the time I got to class, and I would, like, write all my 
I started writing jokes in that class. Mm. Um, I'm, yeah, sorry, I said all that to try to like jog my memory of like what was the first joke I thought of. Um, yeah, I still can't remember. Well, is your stand-up style more like short jokes where it's set up punchline, or are you more of a storyteller where where the jokes come along with the story? Oh, um, I think it's like a pretty bad mix of both. (laughs) (laughs) Where the the jokes are very set up punchline, but I spend a lot of time kind of verbally dancing around things, which I'm sort of trying to cut out a little bit. where I kind of talk around a subject a lot and um, there's been times when I've tried to cut a joke like in half or like, you know, just reduce the size of it and it's like, oh, the the meat of this joke is two sentences. Why do I take a minute to tell it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, I'm really burning people's patiences a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so that's a good question. When when you actually write, are are you talking about you sit down, pen and paper, and write, or is a lot of your writing just in your head and you just kind of experiment with it night after night? Man, I really wish I were like a sit down and write kind of person. Um, my boyfriend's like that, and I'll always watch him be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go write now," and I'm so envious of that because mm-hmm. um, I don't like. When I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down and write too. I'm just sitting there like being like, okay, when do I start thinking? When? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think a lot of my writing comes from like, excuse me, I'm burping, um, comes from like conversation. Like um, when I'm talking to somebody, that's kind of when my, you know, when my brain is forced to be active. Uh, And I think, I think a lot of the jokes that I've written that I like best, are jokes of, that are just like things I've said in response to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so those end up being the ones that I keep. Mm-hmm. So the first time that you performed stand up, uh, where was it? Where did you perform? Um, it was at Star Bar in Atlanta. Okay. And uh, after you performed there, because I know you, you were saying you were still in college, still down in Milledgeville. So did that make you want to move to Atlanta to pursue comedy? When you did it? Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah? So after college, you you ended up in Atlanta? I did, yeah, and I'm still here. Yeah. That was a long time ago. And so when you got here, when you got to Atlanta, you just graduated college, are you like, I'm all in in comedy, or are you kind of like, well, we'll just kind of see where it goes, and you didn't become like fully invested in it until later? Um, yeah, I think I think stand up was like the only thing I really was fully invested in. Like I didn't um you know, get a job or anything. Like, you know, I just would like wait tables or or babysit or um or whatever. But yeah, and I didn't other than like my friendship, I, I definitely didn't invest any time into anything other than stand up. Mhm. So you were doing it basically every day would you say like every night all all days every day yeah at least for two or three years um i i wouldn't i'm not the kind of person that's like out every night anymore um although i say that i'm still definitely spending most nights doing it um but yeah there was that first like as soon as i moved to atlanta i was like 
you know, out every night doing stand-up all day, and if I wasn't doing stand-up, I was, like, talking to my friends about stand-up, and, mm-hmm. um, and that faded a little bit in a good way, where I, you know, some of the charm fades away, and, and that's actually been a good thing, because then you kind of have room to think mm-hmm. realistically and, and have a lot more perspective, um, but it, it was super fun to, you know, not have any perspective and be like, stand-up is the highest form of art, stand-up's everything that matters, stand-up's all I care about, that's the only thing I have room for in my heart, you know? Right. That was a nice, that was a fun time, it was a fun experience, and, and I'm thankful that's not how I think anymore. <laughs> now, when you when you first started, um, you know, you started and, and it went well and you were good, how did you get better so did you get better by repetitions did you get better by watching others how, how did you improve your material and your uh, stage presence and your stand-up performance as a whole well i don't know if i'm better yet <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know i guess probably the repetition but um more than that just any time when i've been uh, when I've had my eyes open <laughs> wide enough to recognize a weakness, because mm-hmm. um, I can go a long time without recognizing a weakness I have until it's like, oh, it's, we gotta, we gotta address this now. You know, I went for like four years, like always bringing a set list on stage and didn't think about it as a weakness. I didn't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. And then one day I didn't bring it, and, and I was like, oh, oh, that was a weakness. Oh, I'm, I'm like relying on that, and I'm not like making any eye contact with the audience or like at least not as much as I'd like to. And, um, yeah. And I'm not super good at that, at, at recognizing what I'm doing that's holding me back. But anytime I've been able to recognize that it's been very worthwhile. Mm -hmm. What, what would you say, you know, was the first time that you bombed? When, When was the first time you bombed? And then how did you deal with that? Um, uh, I don't know the first time I bombed. I think the first time I bombed probably happened before I thought the first time I bombed did, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I'm sure I was bombing before I realized I was bombing, but, um, I remember doing this show at this club that's not around anymore, but it was like a much older crowd and like jokes that night I was trying a bunch of new stuff and it was pretty bad it just wasn't written all the way through and um yeah I had I just like told a couple jokes to like silence and it was it was weird but I I think I still left there feeling like pretty cocky um you know I was like there with a like another comic friend and we were like they don't know what they're whatever you know Mm -hmm. I didn't like (laughs) I didn't take it as an opportunity to learn at all. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, did you ever, when, when you bombed and you faced the silence, did you ever think about potentially quitting? Um, no, I don't think bombing really makes me think of quitting. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important to think about quitting. Not to think about it too much, but, um just to let yourself think about like what would my life be like if I didn't do this kind of let you think about uh, I guess it gives you like a wider more human perspective um, 
And I, you know, I never think about that and like have any answers. Like, I don't know what I'd be doing if I weren't doing this, probably just shopping online or something. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I always think like, what if, what if I were different? What if things were different? What if I were somewhere else? Um, but you know, we are where we are. So it's all just speculation. Mm-hmm. Now I know uh, through stand-up, you've gotten to open up for a lot of big name people, a lot of well-known people. So what got you the opportunity to do that? And who would you say is the, is your favorite person that you've gotten to open up for? Um, I think every time it was just a friend around town who was a friend with somebody who was like doing the booking. who was like, we need a comic. And was like, Oh, I got a friend who has a friend. My sister's friends with Sam or, you know, whatever kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's always just been, like, nice people, like, wanting to be like, oh, I have faith in this person. Let's put her there. <laughs> um, I don't, so that's been, so that's been how, <laughs> um, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I guess the biggest name I opened for was probably um, Janine Garofalo. Um, I only did one show with her and he definitely doesn't remember me, um, which is, which is fine. I don't expect her to, but that's definitely the one that like people around, like my mom was like, Oh my God, you are doing something. So when you do that, when you open for someone, you know, as well known as she is for you, is that intimidating or did you welcome it as uh, with excitement? Um, it was super intimidating, you know, I was like, oh, what if this is the show that I messed everything up at? What if this is where I just do it all wrong and whatever? But, um, but I think more than that little, like, anxiety piece, it's, it's like, kind of validating. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get to do a thing that I want to do. And it's (laughs) because I was doing a good job at what I thought I was doing a good job at. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least making people think that. It's <laughs> just the same thing. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when when you open up for someone that, you know, is that is that well-known, is it weird? And tell me how the feeling is. When you walk out on stage and you, like, everyone bought the tickets to see the, the famous person, the well-known person, do you ever get a vibe that people, like, don't want to see you? Or is it more not welcoming than otherwise when everyone pays to be at the show? Um, not really. I think the only time I experienced that was opening for, or emceeing, I guess, for the Coat Hangers, um, this punk band that's, like, from Atlanta. Um, yeah, was, the bar asked me to emcee one of their shows, and it was, like, everybody was, like, so fucking excited to see the coat hangers <laughs> and um and not me and i was like yeah i don't i'd rather watch them too <laughs> for sure <laughs> i didn't i was like i don't want to hear me either i'm mm. a big fan yeah so uh talk a little bit about because i'm 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 also very curious about this um emory university's poetry and underground comedy and poetry that you did uh what is that and what did you do Oh, yeah. Um, that was a while ago. Um, I used to have this house with a unfinished basement, and um, my roommate, my best friend Peggy, um, we met in school. She studied poetry and um, would write a lot of poetry, and um, we ended up just kind of being like, oh, what if we put shows together in our basement? Because we always had a lot of parties at our house in college and stuff. So we um, 
Jackson would put together shows, and uh, we ended up meeting up. I forget how I met him, but this um, PhD student at Emory, he's not there anymore, but his name was Michael uh, Hesselmeow, Meow, not sure how to say it, but um, Michael, um, he would, like, touring poets, like, kind of underground poets would contact him to set up shows, and then we would put together a thing with, like, be, like, half poets and half stand-up, um, and those are always pretty fun. Um, it would always be kind of a strange crowd of people that, um, <laughs> you know, follow this. A lot of the poets have, like, um, you know, these, like, online, like, avid fan groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'd get, like, a lot of people from these poet tumblers, like, coming out to our basement. And, um, yeah, it was just a neat, it was a neat contrast, and it was, like, a weird it definitely required that, like, everybody in the audience and all the comics and poets on the show were, like, had, like, a totally open mind about how things were going to go. And, and everybody always did, and that's what allowed it to be super fun. Um, yeah, that was a really good time. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was very interested by it because I, I was reading your bio um, online, and I saw that, and I'm like, that is a very unique thing to do. So that's why I had to ask about it because I, I had never heard of that or seen that before. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Now, today, like presently, where where are you performing the most? Um, you know, I've been at Laughing Skull a lot. That's like the comedy club in town. One of the two or three, maybe. Um, there a lot, and um, there's a lot of breweries in Georgia now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess just everywhere, but I feel like there's a new one that opens up like every two weeks, <laughs> but so, and, and every brewery has like a comedy show at it. So I'm at a lot of those <laughs> and they mm-hmm. keep having more and more. So have you, um, yeah, I'm there. have you been able to participate in the, uh, laughing skull comedy festival yet? I have. Yeah, I did it last year, and I'm actually going to do it this year, too. Oh, very cool. So talk about your experience, because that's, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's, you know, one of the biggest comedy festivals in the Southeast, if not the United States. So what was your experience like doing it? Um, it was good. I, uh, um, I didn't have a lot of stress related to it, really, because I didn't expect that I would... So it's not a competition showcase anymore. This year is going to be the first year that it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year it was competition-based. Like, you you were guaranteed, like, two shows or something, and then depending on how you did or depending on what the judges thought at those shows would determine whether you moved on. And um, and I was like, I'm not going to move on. <laughs> it's okay if I don't. Um, but uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't put too much pressure on myself, and maybe if I'd put more pressure on myself, I would have done better. Um, but yeah, I was, it was I was fine with how everything went. It's always nice to um, get to do a comedy festival without having to travel for it. That's true. So it's really cool to have that in Atlanta, um, you know, because like those comedy festivals are like a week, and to like take off work and then pay for lodging and like. You know, if you fly there, then when you're there, you don't have a car. It's like, it's great to just be like, oh, I can go to my regular day job. 
<laughs> right. And then get off and then go to comedy festival. So are, um, are you are you excited that this year it's not a competition or did do you like the competition more? I'm excited. Um, I uh, I didn't really <laughs> um, understand the like most of the not that I didn't understand the rules they like totally explain the rules and make it all very clear to everybody but I I think I just felt so indifferent about the competition part yeah I'm just happy to be here it's very nice of you guys to have me (laughs) Um, but so I'm I'm excited that it's not a competition this year and the way it was like explained to us all was um one of the like golf fest reps was like hey we got a new format this year we're super excited about it here's all the positives about it and it was everybody who read that was like, oh, that is a lot of positive. Cool. Like, I think I think it ends up being, like, more shows and more, um, I think it's just going to be, like, more time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be cool. And, and I think it'll make it easier to meet people. It's hard to meet people when, when you're all stressed out and they're stressed out. And, and you want to be like, hey, welcome to my stupid city. <laughs> yeah. But then you're like, I don't want to bother you because you're thinking because it's a competition and we're all stressed out. and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm expecting it to be a lot more fun. So y- not that it wasn't fun, but besides besides the Atlanta one, obviously, because you like you mentioned, you know, you don't have to, you you could walk there if you wanted to. But besides uh, Laughing Skull, um, what's been your favorite festival that you've gotten to perform at, and why why was that your favorite? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I haven't really done any comedy festivals. I think the only other one I've done was. Prom Fest when it was in Denver, mm-hmm. um, and that was cool. It was a really nice festival. The the shows were all really good, and um, my two of my best friends lived. Uh, well, a bunch of my friends live in Denver now, but at the time, two of my friends lived in Denver, and they had just moved there, so it was it was like nice to go visit them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that, that was my favorite part: going to visit my friends. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it, at that at that other festival, uh, was that a competition or no? Crom uh, Fest is not a competition. Okay. Um, I, I don't think they do Crom Fest at all anymore. But oh, when it was around, um, yeah, it was not a competition. Okay, I got you. So today, um, uh, who, what comedians are you watching to to? get you better or that you just love to watch? Who are your favorite comedians? And Marie Bamford definitely someone I've feel like I've grown with. Like, um just by watching her it feels like she's always whatever new thing she comes out with is like oh man, that was I was just thinking about that subject and like hearing her perspective on it is always like makes me feel like so happy and and like not alone. I guess mm-hmm. um, her new stuff that's come, that's been out now, like the last couple releases are all about like her relationship and how that's like new and how she's like trying to make that work. And, uh, and that was like right at the time when I started writing about like being in a new relationship and trying to, you know, be your best self and make things work. And um, yeah, I just always feel like I've been like, Oh man, I'm dealing with this right now. I'm, I'm having like really bad OCD problems. And there's like there's like a Maria Bamford bit for that, and then I'm like, oh, I'm trying to, I'm having this problem with my family, and it's like there's a bit for that. Like she just has such nice jokes about things that I want to hear jokes about, 
mm-hmm. when I want to hear jokes about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's been really cool. Now, uh, who is this again? Oh, Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford. Now, the reason why I asked that is because at the beginning of your answer, you broke up. And you broke up just enough where I didn't hear you say her name. So that whole oh, time funny. that whole time you're saying her and she and I'm like, is she building to it? Like at the end you'd be like, and her name <laughs> is Maria Bamford. But but then <laughs> but then it just ended and so I was left in in total suspense <laughs> of who of who this person was, but Maria Bamford. Okay, now I see. Wow, so that's that's really cool. So you watch her a lot. You were saying, yeah, um, yeah. I listened to her a lot in college. Like, well, like even before I started doing stand up, I was like having some like severe anxiety issues, and um, listening to her talk about anxiety just like made it easier to deal with, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a single thing she's put out that I don't think I've totally loved. She's great. And in your stand-up, do you talk about a lot of personal issues like anxiety? Yeah. Well, well I mean, I don't I don't think anybody in stand-up really has the right to talk about much other than their personal <laughs> issues. So, I mean, to, to an extent, not that we don't have the right to, like, comment on things. Of course we do, but, I mean, you can really only speak for yourself. So I think... If you're not addressing, you know, your your thoughts about yourself, you're kind of like, I don't know if copping out is the right word, but it's like, that's, that, that's what you're, you're supposed to talk about what you know, and what you know is your life and experience, so like, you should find a way to share that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sorry right. to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess they talk about those kind of things. Now, a question that I always like to ask uh, my stand-up guests, and um, it's very funny because the answer across the board has pretty much been the same, so I'm excited to what you say. Uh, so the question is, what is the uh, either the biggest memory that sticks out in your head or the most notable one or the funniest one or the weirdest one uh, story when it comes to a heckler? And how did you deal with heckling? Um... Uh, not really having a notable one come to mind. I can't remember like a recent one. Um, so it's not super notable, but it just just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at the show and there was a bachelorette party, which is you know like the stereotypical group of hecklers is a bachelorette party. <laughs> but um. I was on, like, two more comics, and all the comics were just getting off stage. It's like, oh, my God, these fucking bitches. They're talking through all my sets and, or all my bits and whatever. And um, this guy got off stage and, and was just like, oh, they did it to me, too. They're, like, they're obnoxious. And the guy that worked there was, like, about to go kick them out. And I was about to go on. And I was like, hey, can you wait till after my set to kick them out? And he was like, yeah, sure. Um and then during my set, you know, they were, they were just being them. They were just drunk at a bachelorette party, whatever. And they were like, not heckling me. They weren't heckling anybody. They were just interacting in a way that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I started telling jokes and kind of, I, I used to like when I started stand up, definitely had this like comedian destroys heckler YouTube video attitude. <laughs> but um, definitely have like distance from that thinking a lot and trying to think like 
you know, any opportunity to connect with someone is not something that should be squandered. So, you know, they're interacting with me and, um, and I just start interacting with them very like nicely and like honestly and not being like, okay, now shut up, you dumb bitches. Like, 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 you know, like I think they had expected and, you know, by the end of the set, they were like, you're you're invited to the wedding. You have to come. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they, and then they stayed for the rest of the show and then they didn't bother anybody else. They didn't have to get kicked out. Man. I was really happy about that. (laughs) I bet all those comedians that went before you wished you had gone first. (laughs) Well, I think people got to have their fun being like, Hey, shut up. Bachelorette party, you know? Right. Um, everybody handles it differently, so. <laughs> so now, as as the final question that I want to ask you, and this is a question I ask all my guests, um, so I'm once again excited to hear what your answer is. Uh, so the question is, um, if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody that eventually wants to be in your shoes, what piece of advice would you give them? Oh, man. I would probably be like, just don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start talking and I'm gonna go on for about five to seven minutes, but don't yeah. listen to any of it. <laughs> it's fucking wrong. It was right for me, and that doesn't mean it's right for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'd tell them. That's it's beautiful. Yeah, That's just beautiful. let people give you advice, and you don't have to take it. It exactly. Um, Look, you, <laughs> you're the first person to answer that question without answering that question at all. So, okay. <laughs> excellent My work. My specialty. <laughs> uh, now, Sam, if people are interested in seeing you perform or following you on social media, uh, how can they find you? Um, I am trying to get better about posting my shows. Um, uh, I post them on Facebook mostly. Um, Sam with two M's, Beverin. S-E-V-E-R-I-N, like the Velvet Underground song. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram. I try to post them on Instagram, too, if I think of it. Um, at Have You Heard of Nirvana. Um, and I'm on Twitter, but I'm, I'm not great at it. Um, but on Twitter as at Waitress Boner. Um, there's not much on there, but, um, but I do have an account. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. So, Sam... Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm glad I got to learn all about you and your stand-up career. Oh, Max, thanks for having me. It was so nice talking to you. So uh, if you're interested in seeing Sam perform, because you said you're going to be in the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival, right, this year? Yes, I am, yeah. What, what are those dates? Um, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, I think it's 420 weekend, but I can't remember the exact date. <laughs> that's okay. No, 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 the weekend after that. Okay. The, 20, the weekend of the 26th. Okay. All right. So uh, then, so I'll, I'll be sure to put a link to that in your bio so that way people yeah. can come and check oh, you cool. out. All right. So, right on. so, Sam, thank you so much again for being on the show. And remember, thank you, Max. to all the listeners who are currently listening, you can find us on Facebook at Talking Late Night. You can find us on iTunes where you can rate and leave us a review. And you can also find us at our website at www.talkinglatenight.com. So thanks again to Sam for being here. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>